Plundergrounds, Plundergrounds, welcome back to a brand new show. Ray's gonna take you where you didn't know you wanted to go. Fantasy and dungeon delve, science fiction, watch yourselves. Hello again, everybody. It is Monday morning, and I probably sound way too chipper for a Monday morning. I struggled a lot getting out of bed today because I slept late. Uh, both days this weekend late for me is you know eight or nine o'clock um, because I usually get up at six but uh, enjoyed that had a couple afternoon naps <laughs> got kind of addicted to refreshing myself with sleep and so this morning it was a little rough getting up at normal time but I've got a cup of coffee in front of me and I spent my weekend with the doctors and I want to podcast about it now you might ask which doctors and I would say no not which doctors <laughs> sorry sorry dad joke uh <laughs> that was horrible that was horrible uh no uh the doctors that i spent the weekend with you could guess one of them dr strange i saw the new dr strange movie and the other doctor was dr who so let's talk about both of those for a minute i'll talk about dr strange first that movie pleased me a lot more than i thought it would i really enjoyed it uh multiverse for me is a cool concept but it can be a little bit like time travel it can lead to some very lazy nonsensical writing and uh, and just kind of a fascination with special effects and weirdness over characters and I like character driven fiction but this was absolutely character driven fiction it was a lot about um, it was well it was about the doctor and Scarlet Witch and I'll do this without spoilers but it, there's kind of a character uh, I don't want to say, yeah, flaws. It dealt with their flaws. Let's put it that way. Uh, for the doctor, it's about his uh, his willingness to push the edge of the ethical envelope to achieve results. And for the Scarlet Witch, it it um, it brought something into her character that was only hinted at before. I always felt like, as a character in the movies, and we're just talking specifically movies here, she felt like she had been injured at some time. Right now, I I haven't watched WandaVision, which uh, kind of comes into play in this movie a little bit. You kind of maybe should read an overview of WandaVision, uh, but I don't think you have to. Well. I, my point was that she always feels a little injured in the movies, but you, if you're not a fan of the comics, you may not know what that's about. She just seems like a character that's somehow traumatized, but you don't really know the backstory, so it's kind of hard to care. I, I feel the same way, by the way. I, I used to have this complaint. I still have this complaint, but um, but probably nobody wants to hear it. I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, in the prequels, in the Star Wars prequels, Darth, I think it's Darth Sidious, right? The face painter? Uh, Darth Sidious... <laughs> He strikes me as, he's certainly evil and he's a good character, but um, on the surface, but he's a very surface level character, meaning, you know, when Darth Vader comes onto the scene, we see him doing evil things right away. He's choking people, he's uh, taking over the, the rebel and terrorizing the princess, right? And, and uh, it sort of immediately makes us take sides where we, you start to like, whoa, this guy is like, you know, extreme or whatever. Uh, maybe even more so when he chokes the the uh, counselor in the council session, or when he 
uh, brings in the torture device to, to extract information from the princess, right? So we know that he's evil because evil is as evil does, right? But Darth Sidious shows up onto the screen looking evil, but we haven't seen him do anything evil. He's not thrown any babies out of the airlock or anything like that. And uh, I, I buy that he's an evil character, but I don't really care. You know, I, I don't hate him. And um, I don't think they did a good job of making us dislike him from the get-go. It takes a while. In, in fact, if anything, it's almost more like they wanted us to like him as like an action figure and a foil to the good guys and not really ha have any dimension to him as a bad guy. Um, other side of that, Thanos, you know, was a great villain because Thanos has all kinds of empathy. Like you may not agree with what he's trying to do, but you can kind of understand where he's coming from a little bit. Well... Uh, back to Doctor Strange. What was I talking about? Uh, oh, so Scarlet Witch. I've always felt like she's a little bit of that character where she was a very surface-level character until probably WandaVision. Like I said, I didn't uh, see WandaVision, but uh, this movie really brought it home to me that she's a much more interesting character, and they, they dealt with her flaw of... Uh, basically, it's kind of a superhero trope. She wants a real life. You know, she, she wants a, a, a genuine real life and not a superhero life but probably doesn't want to give up her superpowers for it well all of that plays out somewhat in the movie in a really cool way there's some great uh, great scenes some cool cameos from other you know regions of the multiverse characters that haven't been seen in a long time uh, some characters that are new to the screen but are old to comic books um, and at the same time that they bring these characters in, they sort of tie up loops in a way that, um, well, I, I, again, I'll stop there. So I do not want to put out any spoilers for the film, I, but I did really enjoy it. I think the trailers don't do it justice. In fact, the trailers, if anything, I thought were a little bit misleading. Uh, and just, I, I would encourage you to go see it. I thought it was, it, it is rather violent. Um, I didn't even think about that till I got home and my son was talking to my wife and he says, I don't think you would like it, meaning my wife, because uh, he, he said it was, you know, a little, little um, shockingly graphic in places. And I thought, wow, you know, I guess it was. I didn't, I didn't, I'm kind of immune to that stuff a little bit. Um, it reminded me at times, if you take the funny out of the Suicide Squad, it had a little bit of that absurd, absurdity. You know, there were, there were several times in the movie where... Uh, the guy next to me or a woman behind me would literally go, oh, damn, like that just happened? Like, <laughs> so it's it's a good movie that way. Well, Doctor Strange, yeah, very cool. Very cool character. I think he appeals to a lot of us nerds because he's more of an intellectual character. Um, he appeals to a lot of us fantasy geeks because he's, a, you know, he does magic. He's not just uh, somebody bitten by a radioactive spider or whatever. Not that Spider-Man isn't awesome. He is awesome. But um, Doctor Strange is somebody I think that appeals to us and we want his movies to be good. I wanted his movies to be good. And uh, so, yeah, I care about that intellectual property. And uh, I had low hopes going in, but I w left the movie extremely pleased. Now, the other doctor I spent time with this weekend is Doctor Who. Um, a while back, I think I mentioned this before, but I've never really been into Doctor Who. I tried to... Um, I had a friend who was into him who would tune into the BBC in the early mornings, you know, when we could see him. And uh, basically, like, time-shifted English shows, right? And uh, we could barely get it out in the country where I was. So sometimes it was really staticky or we'd lose the episode halfway through. But we got to see a few episodes that way. And he got way into it. And I thought, well, this is kind of interesting 
but it's you know really cheesy looking. Of course, at the time, I was a little more judgmental about that kind of stuff. But I didn't quite get it. And a number of times over the years, I've tried to get into the doctor through various means. I think I listened to a BBC radio play. I watched when the new seasons came out on TV. I watched the first season. Didn't love it. Um, in fact, didn't really even like it all that much. <laughs> there were there were moments I liked. I liked the the Rose character actually, the sidekick. And I I think it's my understanding that nobody does like her. But the doctor was kind of annoying. The first doctor uh, in that series, and I can't think of his name, but didn't love it. Well, a while back I downloaded. Uh, yeah, pirated. Downloaded. Um, I'm not sure. It's even. I don't know. I'm not sure these are even available commercially, but some of the earliest, earliest Doctor Who's, many of which are missing, right? There's there's some where there's only the audio and they'll just put up still photographs or something. But um, yeah, I'm look. I'm watching the first season. I'm watching the first season with the with the really old Doctor who I think most people don't love. He's very severe, um, little scatterbrained, of course, and kind of a jerk at times. Uh, but I, I kind of like him. I, I, I can understand, like, this series has serious flaws at, in the beginning. It's got uh, a, kind of a lack of identity of what it is. Like, they're, they're still kind of figuring things out. But it also has some wild inventiveness that I just love. And, uh, yeah, I'm in the, I think the, I'm in the Keys of Marinus series right now. And uh, so there's already been a Dalek series, which was cool. Um, I feel like I feel like I'm watching the series through a pinhole camera because the the black and white images are you know really poor. They're almost better watched on your phone or something like a small screen or a small window than on anything larger because they're not going to get any sharper no matter how much larger you make the picture. Um, so it's almost better off to keep the picture small. And part of that is my, so, so there's two reasons I feel like I'm watching it through a pinhole camera or maybe a better, like a Viewmaster almost. And that provides a certain intimacy. And one of those is the small, smallness of the image. And the other one is that it's kind of vignetted, like the, the edges of the screen are dark a lot of the times. And there's a little bit of fuzziness. And it's kind of an interesting thing to watch. Uh, a little bit frustrating at times to watch it because you want more clarity, but you know, it's worth, it adds to the mystery a little bit, I guess, and maybe a little bit of blurring, especially for some of these early special effects are, are good. Well, the keys of Marinus, uh, they show up on, it just, it's got so much wild imagination. I'm going to talk about it for a minute because it just feels like, uh, it has role-playing game written all over it. Let me just put it that way. Um, so they time travel to this beach, um, on an island and turns out that the ocean around them is acid and that uh, a couple glass submarines have been beached near them, uh, out of which can't come these guys in manta ray looking wetsuits um, who are assaulting a pyramidal shaped tower at the center of this island. And the cast of uh, Doctor Who and his, you know, his companions, they get into this pyramid and they're spared, whereas the manta ray guys fall prey to these traps and or some mysterious person behind everything. Well, it turns out this mysterious person is a scientist who, not a uh, scientist, is that the right word? At any rate, there's a long story about what happened to this culture. It has to do with a artificially intelligent all mind that they subjected themselves to and uh, it going haywire and fights for control over it. And in the end, they they want to, he, want, he finally has the means to repair it, but they have scattered these keys to its brain across different uh, dimensions, I guess, in order to keep them 
from coming together before they had a means to to cure the the psychosis of the artificial intelligence, if you will. So now the the crew is moving from place to place, collecting these keys in the hopes of getting them back to uh, fix the artificial intelligence. And you know, there's a jungle planet. There's a like, I mean, they you know, there's an icy planet. There's like, there's just different. Uh, different ways and they they I love the fact that they have these little time dials wrist things that they can click and it immediately takes them to the next location I'm thinking this would be a good RPG mechanic because um, they don't have to fight their way back out of situations they just have to get the key so they can kind of drive it like they stole it right they can get into the uh, they can get into a place and just blunder forward and get themselves trapped as long as they are trapped in the room where the key is and they find the key in time then they can get away by time twisting their little wrist dials they don't have to actually confront the danger or survive the danger they just have to get to the key first it's it's a little bit of like that old um, stupid saying well it's not stupid but it's kind of dumb now because you've heard it a million times but the uh, you know you got a bear chasing you and, and you say i don't have to be faster than the bear i just have to be faster than my friend right and uh so they just have to get to the key before the whatever evil it is um or or chaos or whatever catches up to them and so i've enjoyed that um had the brains in the jar trope had the living jungle trope had the you know it's had the um, ice planet uh you know freeze to death uh, if you're exposed too long ice caves kind of trope i just love i just love how like these almost iconic images are flying past me on the in a blurry way on the screen and I can I'll admit I can kind of do like I was unsleeving magic cards to get to, to send them off to get um, to you know to get paid right to sell off some of my collection and while I was I could watch this while doing that right I didn't have to always have my eyes on it because the visual the visuals are relatively simple even though they're um, and and the pacing is slow enough, right? Like it's it's a little bumbly in a way, in a charming way. It's a little bumbly, uh, meaning it, they kind of fumble around, and the lines don't always quite make sense. And sometimes the actors stumble over each other, um, and they don't bother doing a retake. You know, it's it's all in one shot kind of thing. And I like that. It's almost like a movie you could make in your backyard or your garage, right? Um, you know, I feel like I could make episodes of this in my garage, certainly with the. <laughs> certainly with the budget you know that they've got uh wouldn't take much these days to to make something comparable but you'd be you'd be hard pressed to have the same amount of imagination well so those are really cool what else happened this weekend um not a lot uh keeping up on my dracula reading um some of you i've mentioned this before on two podcasts already and it's May or may not be the last time I mention it, but I'm getting Dracula, the novel, which is an epistolary novel, meaning it's written in the form of collected letters, uh, delivered to me by this service that's out there. I can't remember the name of it, but I'll put the link in the show notes that they deliver a, a letter to you every day based on the date. So today's May 9th and it's um, uh, it's uh, Mina Harker, I think today I'd have to pull up my email, but uh, it's a letter from Mina Harker today, uh, or remembrances or diary entries or something like that. We're still in this part where Jonathan Harker has gone off to the castle Dracula to, as a clerk, he, he's going there as a, he's a solicitor, kind of like a lawyer, um, or a, or a real estate agent. And he's helping the count buy land in England and, um, has gone to the castle to kind of fill him in and, and explain the arrangements to him and all that 
goodness, and so he's in a very weird place. We've had the the shaving incident, the infamous shaving incident that seems to make every movie. Uh, that was in the letters yesterday, I think. And uh, yeah, so it's really cool. We'll st we're still we are still in early days on this, so you could catch up with about a half hour's worth of reading, I think, uh, maybe an hour's worth of reading. But there is a joy in what I call a slow read, which is to take a book one chapter at a time or a couple chapters at a time or a letter, in this case, a letter or two at a time, because it actually makes you think about things in a different way. It makes you stop and ask questions that you wouldn't have asked. For instance, um, when uh, Dracula picks up, well, so there's a coachman that picks up Jonathan Harker and uh, meets him on the road. There's, there's another coach taking a group of passengers from point A to point B, and the coach that Jonathan needs to catch is supposed to, he catches it in the middle of that, right? So the coachman's, the original coachman stops, um, looks around, and then tries to take off, but the other coach pulls up and says like, hey, you know, you're an hour early. You know, basically he's trying to get away before, trying to um, get Jonathan away from the danger, because everybody knows the danger except Jonathan, and they don't want to tell him, but they uh, so they're trying to trick him into thinking that the other guy didn't show up. Well, the other guy shows up. He's wearing a big hat and, and beard, and um, you know you get the suspicion that he's Dracula and uh, in disguise, right? But anyway, he takes Jonathan um, in the coach and going to Castle Dracul, and uh, he Jonathan gets the sense that they're driving in circles, and so he looks out the window and he catches a landmark, and then he sees it again, and sure enough, they're they're meandering basically, and he wonders about that. And every once in a while, there'll be a blue light out in uh, to one side or the other of the path, and the coach will stop, and the driver goes off to to check on these blue lights, and then comes back and. It's a mystery, and I was my friend and I were just uh, a couple friends of mine and I were uh, Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast and JJ who were also doing the reading at the same time. Um, we were discussing what what what's with the blue lights? What is that? You know, um, and we were trying to decipher what that could have been, and and then in the next chapter we get an explanation for them. I'm not sure I buy the explanation. It's um, it doesn't entirely make sense, and uh, Jonathan Harker sort of explains it or. or uh, suggests the explanation to begin with, and then Dracula sort of goes with it, right? Like says, "Yes, that's that's what they are." Um, but you know, it's it's kind of I almost started to do a Dracula impression there, didn't I? Wow. Um, but yeah, it's cool. It's cool to read it like that because if you'd have just kept going through, you might have just very mildly wondered, "Huh, what if those blue lights are about?" Oh, well, I'll figure it out in the next chapter, and you go into the next chapter, and you do, and. You know, you can fly past those moments in a way that you don't when you're doing a slow read. Uh, a couple of years ago, I'm sure I've mentioned this before. A couple of years ago, I did a slow reading of Lord of the Rings with a group of friends, and it was a super rewarding experience because you just pay attention to chapters and things that you would never pay attention to before because you just kind of, you know, they're I wouldn't call them the lesser chapters in any way, but they're they're. You know, they're not the big moments that make the movie screen, right, um, of your mind or, or the literal movie screen. They're the kind of moments in between, and you have to pay more attention to them when that's all you've got to talk about in a week. Um, I've done, so we've read Lord of the Rings as a group. I read um, all three of the Dragonlance, the original Dragonlance trilogy with, a, with another group, with my group of gamers. And then we read the first two Drist novels that way. We were just kind of revisiting some... D, D, you know, classic tie-in fiction. And that was really good. Um, it, it, 
it almost doesn't matter whether the books are good or bad. They have to have some depth to them. They have to have a lot going on, I think, for a slow read. But uh, when they're bad, you have fun complaining about the parts that are bad. And when they're good, you have a lot of fun. I mean, it's better if they're good, right? So um, I just think there's a lot of these books that could bear reading like this. Dune is probably another one that would could be read well at, in a, at a slow pace. Well, at any rate, um, now it's Dracula. So if you want to join in that experience with me, you can. It's not too late. Um, I think it started on May 3rd and we're on May 9th. So that's all the letters you've missed at this point is the 3rd through the 9th. And you could catch up to those real easily and then start catching them a little bit at a time. I would say that the day's readings are usually between 5 and 20 minutes at most, right? So it's a very easy thing to catch up to. You can read them on your lunch hour. Um, but you got to be diligent and keep up because <laughs> you get a couple days behind and then you'll start to go, ah, you know, and just and let it drop. Um, but yeah, find find some quiet time somewhere in the day and just sit down and, and read a little bit. Um, it's a good time to rekindle your ability to focus on things or your love of books. If you've, I, I know there was a time in my life when my kids were young and they needed a lot of my time as well as my wife's time. They, they always need, seems like a lot of her time, but they also needed a lot of my time at the, at the um, and we, um, I had books everywhere. I had like books all over the place that I had started and maybe gotten a couple chapters into and then put down. And, and I realized that, um, as they grew out of this phase where they needing, they were needing all of my time. I wasn't growing out of the phase where my mind was distracted. Uh, I needed, I wasn't able to focus anymore. I had kind of lost that muscle and I had to build it back up. So I, joined in this uh, group of friends who did a uh, 50 books a year challenge and um, since then I, I don't really talk to those people much anymore they're they're still I, I would still call them friends I just don't never really knew them that well other than one guy and uh, we just don't have much occasion to connect because I stopped blogging about it but I do it on Goodreads now and Goodreads allows you to set a challenge for the year and it keeps track of how many books you've read, how many pages you've read, uh, what dates they're from, things like that. So it's pretty cool that way you can get some really nice statistics and see even month by month how your reading habits go. Like there's certain times of the year that I read a lot. Um, right around Christmas when I'm nesting and have some time off I read a lot, um, you know, through the start of the new year. Um, there seems to be a phase in right around now, like springish, you know, when I, when I read a lot and then maybe another one late in the summer, um, like before school starts again, you know, that kind of timing. Well, it's fun to watch your own habits a little bit that way and to kind of keep track. And like I said, in my last podcast, it keeps you maybe from buying books. Um, if you can keep a little virtual library of all the books you've read, you don't feel so compelled to own the ones that you don't really ever care to read again. You know, you just got, you can kind of see their covers and uh, be reminded of them and have that nostalgic feeling without actually having a book on your shelf that you pull down. And uh, yeah, so let's see, Dracula and Game Night tonight. We're continuing our Eternal Atlanteans uh, game, in, which is a superheroes game mixed with a high fantasy game, and it's going quite well. Um, talked to my friend JJ he actually asked if I'd ever had a nightmare about prepping for a game <laughs> and I don't believe that I ever had actually he asked if I had a dream I'm not sure if he said it was a nightmare but he uh you know pointed out it was kind of one of those like where you dream you've over prepped or under prepped and I thought yeah well I've had dreams you know where you show up to a test and haven't attended class all all semester or something um and you feel underprepared um 
or you're the only one that knows what's going on. Everybody else is doing silly things and you can't, you know, you're trying to finish the task at hand and everybody else is distracted and we're trying to distract you. I've had those kinds of dreams and so I can understand what he's talking about. Uh, and we were talking a little about the stress of GMing. Uh, we didn't talk about the buzz of GMing, which is also something worth talking about. I, um, John Allen Large on the Red Dice Diaries was has uh, had a four four or five episode, basically one conversation broken up into multiple episodes about long form campaigns. And one of the things they were talking about in the last one was the buzz of running a good game, right? And how wound up you can be after a good game, and uh, sometimes how your wife suffers as she has to listen to a half hour of you talking about the game so that you can get it out of your head and go to bed. But yeah, it's cool. Uh, but there's the other end of that, which is the stress that you put on yourself beforehand. Am I getting the pacing right? Is it going too fast? Are people bored when it's not, quote unquote, their turn? Um, you know, are people getting what they want out of the game? Do they like the mechanics? All those kinds of questions you ask yourself. And those are those are important questions to ask. And uh, I, did, I did get one call in. Um, uh, well, I got several call ins from the last podcast and uh, but one of them mentioned that they'd like to hear more about playing paying off character flags and I will definitely talk about that in the near future in fact I'm going to make a note for myself right now flags let's write that on my daily dad joke calendar here which I'm not even going to bring up today is because it's awful uh, here I'll, I'll give you tomorrow's to the guy who invented zero thanks for nothing right Actually, there was one like that on Friday that was kind of good. It says, uh, did you hear that the inventor of the USB memory stick died? Thanks for the memories. Now I screwed that up because you're not supposed to say memory twice. It, I think it said, well, it said the USB stick. I changed it when I told my friends. I told them to change it to flash drive. I said, did you hear that the guy who invented the flash drive died? Yeah, thanks for the memories. Right? That's a little better way to tell it. But there's no, I don't know if there's any good way to tell that joke. <laughs> I like dad jokes because they're painful, right? They have that kind of, like, they're just so, I don't know. They're so bad, they're good, right? Um, so, yeah, yeah. I think uh, you become a fan when you have kids, too. Uh, I, my kids used to tell me jokes, and they would, you know, they're the kind of jokes that kids tell, right? And I still remember a few of them, but one of them was, um, what kind of snake do you find on the front of your car? A windshield viper, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but those jokes just crack me up. Those just crack me up. Yeah. Well, anywho. Uh, yeah. No more about dad jokes. No more about Dracula. No more about the doctors. Uh, I think I'm wound out for today. Thanks for listening. I will talk to you again real soon. And for old time's sake, look out for those rust monsters.